Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Tian. Now today we're going to bring you an inside look into a luxury brand called Belly. Uh, this is a brand that many may have heard of but yet not exactly know about. Now some might think of Belly as a company with a rich heritage in shoemaking, but it was actually founded in 1851 as a family-run ribbon factory, and that is three years before Louis Vuitton was born. Now the firm expanded rapidly as it industrialized its processes in 1854 and set up stores in Paris and France. Now today, Belly offers unique designs across shoes, accessories, and ready-to-wear, driven by a dedication to craftsmanship. Now the company has a distribution network of over 320 retail stores and 500 multi-brand points of sales, spanning across 60 countries worldwide. But why are we talking about Belly? You might ask. Well, the past five years or so has been a roller coaster ride for the firm. After a sale agreement in 2018 to Chinese textile company Shandong Rui fell through. Now, at that time, the brand is also one where people know of but yet are not compelled to purchase from, which meant challenges on top and bottom lines. All of that meant there is a need、uh, for a change in strategy from the firm's management, which took the chance to reassess its positioning in the luxury wear industry and to transform the shoemaker into a luxury fashion power. House, focusing on its Swiss utilitarian chic designs. Now, for one thing, the firm cut its teeth in clothing and had, in September last year, staged a joint fashion show in Milan with a new creative director. That show was a hit and drew positive responses. At a time where Gucci and Tom Ford、uh, drew mixed responses. So, how has the Swiss utilitarian positioning worked for Bali as it expands beyond shoes? And what does it mean where top and bottom lines are concerned? The lots of questions. And for more, I've got with me on the line Nicola Giroto, CEO of Bali. And、uh, Nicola, welcome. Thank you. Great to have you on board. And、uh, Nicola, we've briefly talked about、uh, Bali as a company that started out as a family-run ribbon factory, more notably a well-respected shoemaker, luxury shoemaker. But let's hear from you. How would you describe your value proposition and business model then? So, as you say, Bali is a fascinating story.、Uh, you mentioned we are the second-oldest brand、uh, after Hermès.、Uh, Bali was born as a ribbon manufacturer. And、uh, in 1851, Carl Franz Bali, the founder of Bali Shoe Fabrikan,、um, decided to transform its business into a shoe manufacturing. So this is a fascinating story. It's more than、uh, three centuries、uh, of trading.、Um, so today, what is Bali?、Um, we design, manufacture,、uh, and distribute、uh, shoes, accessories. Ready to wear、uh, through our own network, but also through the network of、uh, of partners.、Um, you mentioned we have、uh, roughly 300 point of sales, mono brand a boutique,、uh, 160 that we operate directly.、Uh, the rest、uh, with partners. I'm right now in Seoul to meet with our partner in South Korea.、Um, and um, as far as、uh, Positioning of the brand and our USP, we are a heritage brand. This is what we want to express in our products.、Um, we are what we say an everyday brand, so we want to、uh, go together with our customer in、uh, many occasions of life and provide、um, 
through our products, um, ways to elevate them. Um, and uh, we are unique in the sense also that we are Swiss. We are the only Swiss uh, brand in the in the fashion industry, or one of the few fashion, fashion Swiss brand, and this is something that definitely makes us uh, unique. Wow. Okay. And uh, I do want to touch on a point that you mentioned earlier, Nicola, which is about your points of sales. I understand it spreads across sixty countries. So, in terms of geographical markets, right? Which is the most important market for you? If financials are concerned, what is then the role of Singapore in this regard? Yeah. So yeah, we have 300 point of sales, um, mono brand boutique, as I was saying, 500 uh, other point of sales in multi brand department stores. As far as geography is concerned, roughly 40% of our turnover uh, is performed in uh, in Japan. Uh, another 10% in uh, Oceania, uh, Southeast Asia, and another 10% in uh, in Japan. So. This part of the world is uh, very important for us. We were born in Europe, uh, but as you mentioned, uh, this company, Bali, quickly uh, expanded abroad. Uh, already in 1871, uh, Bali opened stores abroad, and you mentioned Paris, you mentioned Uruguay with Montevideo. So this brand is very Swiss. Uh, but very international also at the same time, and it's uh, really part of its history. Um, so we distribute our products through our um, direct stores, retail, but also with our partners in wholesale model. And in the last years, we have expanded uh, quite a lot in the digital. Uh, it was part of the strategy, but also it has been, let's say, accelerated by the pandemic that forced us to review the way we distribute our products to our end customer, but also to our partners. Uh, Thanks to uh, uh, the years 2021, where we were not able to simply meet with our partners. So we put in place... Uh, uh, for instance, a virtual showroom in order to distribute uh, our our products uh, seamlessly. So uh, now it's integral part of our uh, distribution distribution strategy, and it represents a bit more than fifteen percent of our total turnover. As far as Singapore is concerned, we have two two stores in Singapore: one on Orchard Road in uh, Takashimaya Department Stores store, sorry, and another one in Marina Bay Sands. So it's an, Singapore is an important hub uh, for tourism, for business. Uh, so for Bali, it's, uh, it's very important to be present for bis- business point of view, but also in terms of visibility, um, to be one of the brands present in this uh, uh, important uh, hub uh, for Asia. Who would you then describe as your major customers in the various uh, markets? What is the typical customer profile like? Our customer is is a luxury customer. Given our price point, we have we have products that are well crafted, well manufactured, uh, with beautiful materials, with a certain price point. Uh, so this is a typical luxury customer. Sixty five percent being men, thirty five percent women. Um, average age is around uh, 37 uh, years old. So this is our customer. This is a customer that is in search of beautifully manufactured products, quality that is in search of uh, uh, products that last uh, more than products uh, that shout. <laughs> um, this is a customer that I would say has a, 
as a classic styles, but however, wants to uh, feel uh, in fashion. Uh, so this is a balance that we are providing to our customer. Right. And uh, Nicola, let's get straight into the conversation and talk about the years leading from 2018. Uh, very exciting here. It has been somewhat of a roller coaster ride uh, after a sale agreement in 2018 between Bally's parent company, JAB Holdings, to sell Bally to Chinese textile player Shandong Rui fell through. I understand JAB, a parent company, ended up reinvesting into Bally. What was the situation like five years ago? Yeah, as you as you mentioned, it has been a kind of roller coaster. Um, there's been advanced discussion between GAB and uh, and Shandong Rui, but the discussion didn't end up in a in a transaction. Um, so, in 2018, uh, JAB decided to uh, uh, to stay committed to the assets, and um, I've been appointed in May 2019, and I have been since then very fortunate to have JAB. As a committed and supportive uh, supportive shareholder, right. And I believe one of the major challenges for Bally back then, when you took over the helm, was the lack of a clear positioning strategy within the luxury fashion or footwear industry. Uh, put simply, Bally is like a brand where people would respect, but yet not know about or feel compelled to buy back then. How do you get around that to decide where the business needs to go then from here? Yeah, as you rightly said. When I took over back in 2019, I first of all analyzed the DNA of these brands, uh, but also listened to what the customers uh, were saying about our brand. And it was quite unanimous across the globe. Uh, a brand that is well respected with a lot of positive attributes, uh, but somehow a lack of um, consistency on its uh, positioning and our customers were a bit unclear about what Bally selling proposition was. So this is uh, since then what I uh, try to address. So I have to say that when I was uh, laughing about your comment about the role of Coaster is that I took over in May 19 and uh, as we all know, a few months after uh, we had to manage uh, the COVID and the pandemic situation. So for two years, two years and a half, it, I, I have to say it has been kind of uh, firefighting. Uh, but at the same time, transforming the, the company. And uh, this is why we decided to go back on the runway. Uh, but he was absent uh, from the runway since 20 years. And we made this effort to be back on the runway in Milan uh, during the fashion week, um, it was important for us in order to position properly as a company, uh, our brand, to be able to tell a story about who we are, uh, what we want to do, and um, to portray a silhouette of Bali. I think that uh, it will be a success when customer will be able to close their eyes and to uh, imagine what a Bali silhouette is. And this is what I want to achieve. So our business is mostly accessories, but uh, ready to wear and fashion shows are important in order to portray 
uh, a positioning, a silhouette of Bali. And this is what we are doing together with uh, our creative director, uh, Simone Bellotti, uh, which took over in uh, September uh, and has his first fashion show in Milan in September 2023. And uh, this first fashion show has been uh, a huge success. It has been acclaimed. Uh, it has been one of the best debuts. And um, the vision that we decided to show of Bali, that is a combination of heritage, but at the same time of innovation, uh, has been very well appreciated by our audience. Right. And I believe, uh, Nicola, you told the Financial Times sometime back as well that once the firm finds the right positioning for Bali, the rest would follow. So you talked about heritage, right? Um, you talk about designs and the Bali Sihulet. But how does that differ from other players in the fashion industry, the luxury fashion industry like Tots Group and Jimmy Choo in terms of positioning then? I think everybody has its own history, its own DNA, its own... Uh, way of expressing uh, design. As far as we are concerned, there are a few pillars that we are uh, that are very important for the brands. The, the first one is um, our heritage and our Swissness. And uh, so, what does it mean? It means that uh, we are very committed to uh, craftsmanship. We are very committed to the quality of our product to make products that last by their design, but also by um, the way we are manufacturing them. Uh, you may you may know or not that. Uh, we still manufacture in Switzerland a big portion of our products. Uh, we in Switzerland, uh, in Castellano, we are based in Ticino, so in the Italian-speaking part of Switzerland. Um, we still manufacture between 130 to 150,000 pair of shoes per, per year. Um, we manufacture the high-end part of our range, and uh, we have roughly 100 artisans that are trained uh, in order to do these uh, iron shoes. Um, it requires a lot of training. It requires a lot of competencies. It requires a lot of skills that we are very committed to maintain. As This is our know-how, and this is very important that we express it in everything that we, uh, that we do. Uh, so this is why Simone Bellotti, in his first fashion show, uh, wanted to uh, include uh, in its show products that are staples for belly, that are uh, in our range since decades. For instance, included a Mary Jane, a Mary Jane that was designed in 1923 uh, in, in the show. He wanted to include also a, a shoe that was first designed in 1951, uh, by Max Bally, uh, the grandson of the founder, Carl Franz Bally. And so, at the same time, talking about the heritage and of our craftsmanship, but also with these styles that I was just mentioned, styling them in a way that is innovative, styling them in a way that a young girl, a young man in the streets will wear. And this is where uh, Simone uh, creativity has really uh, touched our audience because what he has shown in September and what he will show in February 24 soon uh, has been felt to be very Bali, 
because it was talking about our heritage, but at the same time, very relevant for today, for what the younger generation are looking for, but not only the younger generation, because we want to be a brand that is transgenerational. We don't want to talk only to one generation, but we want to be really broad. Um, and what he has shown, the way he has executed this um, new vision for Bali has really touched its, uh, its audience. I believe you're also looking at Swiss utilitarian designs. What does that entail, actually? You know, the way you define a brand some, somehow, sometimes is a bit, you know, complex. We are using very complicated word. But the other day I was talking with a customer. Uh, and this customer, after having looked at our, uh, at our fashion show, told me, I really like what you're doing now. It's kind of Swiss utilitarian chic. And I, I found it was very simple, very true, uh, because Swiss, we want to express elements of Switzerland. And you, you, you see there are a lot of elements of Switzerland in our latest, uh, latest collection for, from the most playful. So you have these little cobels, and this is a bit playing with a cliche. But also you have deeper elements that are uh, talking to what is Switzerland, elements of culture, elements of art, and so on. Utilitarian, because we want to uh, make clothes and accessories, shoes that are for everyday people, that are for real people, that are wearing and using these items in their daily life. And chic, because, yeah, there is this, Bali has been always this form of elegance. Um, we are not bold, we are not shouting. This is understated elegance. So I really like <laughs> how this customer, talking about our collection, uh, encapsulated uh, in these three simple words uh, what we are doing. And uh, I thank him for that, and I make these words mine now. <laughs> <laughs> If you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with Nicola Giroto, CEO of Bali. And, uh, well, I know we've mentioned parts of it uh, here and there in the conversation, but uh, Nicola, I understand the firm diversified to look at fashion wear beyond shoes. Uh, in September, you have that fashion show, joint fashion show in Milan with your new creative director. That show, as you mentioned, was a hit. It drew positive responses. And more notably, it came at a time whereby Gucci and Tom Ford, which had new creative directors, by the way, drew mixed responses. Now, two parts to the question. Why the move to expand into fashion wear and how far has a Swiss utilitarian positioning strategy for Bali uh, paid off as the expense beyond shoes? First, the reason to go back on the runway is um, is to be able to express what the brands want to do. Um, you know, we have a lot of creative people in the organization and um, being able to show in this format, in this medium, is always something very stimulating. So this is something that we wanted to, to do, to, to show what we are capable of doing. Um, why it has been a hit? I think it has been a hit for what I was mentioning earlier, is that it, it felt very true to what Bali is on the one side. And on the other side, uh, it's in the zeitgeist. I think everybody uh, has on its lips right now the quiet luxury. Uh, so I don't want to define Bali as a quite luxury brand, but definitely 
we would fall much more naturally into this category than in another one. And uh, and I think that the combination of the two, trying to be really genuine, authentic, uh, showing who we are, and this is what Simone wanted to do. He gave us the courage really to show what Bali is and not to try to be another brand. Uh, so this has been felt um, and appreciated. To your question regarding the development and where this this is bringing us, uh, so for first and foremost, this is a vision that I want to develop on the long term. One right now, what are the results of this vision? This is really early to say. You know, uh, the products that we have shown uh, during the fashion show, uh, so the first Simone collection uh, products are still not in store. Uh, they will be in store starting mid of February, beginning of March. So it's very early, but you know, transforming a brand, repositioning it, this is something that takes time, uh, that takes a lot of energy, time, and uh, we need to appreciate things on the on the long term, not on the not on the short term. So it's about consistency, and uh, this is what I'm committed to. Mm. Don't mind me asking this, uh, Nicola. Your fashion show with uh, Simeon Belotti, your new creative director, worked well. But as we know, fashion is something that is personal. So you need a good designer, a good creative director to create a good pipeline of, of uh, fashion wear and shoes that you have. So how would you assess your relationship and reliance on designers? How far is that a form of business risk for a luxury brand like Bally? This is a good question. <laughs> um... I would say, first of all, um, the creative director should not take over on the, on the brand. It's a conversation. It's a conversation between the brand, the creative director, its CEO, and to be able to define a common project, uh, something that respects uh, the brand DNA, um, but at the same time, bringing something new, an aesthetic that is brought by the creative director. And this is what I felt with, uh, with Simone. Um, he has a huge respect for the brand. He wants to show the brand at its best um, with no personal agenda, uh, but it's really about doing its best for uh, his best for the brand, uh, trying to uh, rejuvenate reinterpret, making it again relevant, uh, trying to make actual the codes of the brand. Um, so this, when it, when I decided to appoint Simone, we had the first period in which we really discussed at length uh, what the brand is and what the brand wants to be. And I think that this initial moment is very important uh, in order to be sure that um, the brand is going into the right direction. So this is always, always a very specific relation, the relation between the CEO and, the, and his creative director. But the dialogue and sharing constantly about the direction is, uh, is fundamental. And uh, I'm fortunate enough to, to be able to say that this is what we are doing with Simone right now. 
you know, uh, Nicola, I know you can't talk about specifics, but we love talking about money on Money FM. So how far have your efforts to reposition the firm reaped uh, financial rewards? And what is the growth trajectory looking like uh, where sales or revenue is concerned? Any indication over here? Yeah, you know, we are we are a private company, part of uh, an investment firm. So this is not our policy. And I appreciate it. <laughs> this money FM and you want to talk about money. Uh, but I mentioned uh, earlier in another publication that we were around uh, 300 million Swiss francs. This is what the brand has been in the last uh, in the last decade. Um, uh, you mentioned also the last years have been a, a roller coaster with uh, the markets opening, closing. Really, for me right now, it's about long term and putting the brand into the right trajectory. My priority has been to uh, define. A good positioning. I say that the rest will follow. Obviously, the, when I say the rest will follow, it takes a lot of energy because it's not only about getting a new, posi- a good positioning. There is a lot to do in order to uh, make it reality and uh, transforming this good positioning into commercial success. So, I'm looking forward, uh, and I will be able to comment on that. Uh, in the next years, for the moment, it's a bit premature. Wow, okay. Now, what is on the top of your priority list, then, Nicola, for the next five years as you solidify the new positioning, as you try to uh, drive demand for your products? Also, 2024, what can we expect? Uh, a lot of things in 2024. First of all, I'm, I'm right now in, uh, in, uh, in Asia, uh, first in Seoul, and then tomorrow or tonight flying to, uh, to, uh, to Japan. As we are opening a store in Ginza, this is uh, uh, we are opening a uh, in Tokyo uh, a beautiful mono brand, um, and uh, I'm very excited about this one. There will be the grand opening later on this year in April. We just soft opened the, the store. Um, there will be a refurbishment for uh, as, as soon as possible. I hope for for Takashimaya uh, in Singapore. Um, so. A lot of things are happening right now in uh, in the brand, and 2024 will be a will be a, a busy year um, here in Seoul. As you know, we have partnered with uh, with DK from um, from 17. We will be launching also soon a capsule collection with a YK in exclusive in our in our stores. It's still in 2024. Also later on this year in June. Uh, we will be uh, launching a travel collection uh, with uh, Adrian Brody. So Adrian Brody is a Oscar-winning actor, but also artist. We collaborated together in order to uh, to have him expanded his field of creativity and he designed together with us uh, a beautiful collection uh, that we call a travel collection. So what are the trusted uh, elements in your wardrobe that uh, one always want to bring uh, with him. I say him because it will be a men dedicated collection. So as you see, a lot of things happening in 2024 and we are very excited in, in February to be uh, to show our the second collection of Simone Bellotti. So it's very uh, it's very dense, a lot of things coming. Uh, you asked me about uh, priorities. Right now, my uh, number one priority is uh, to make uh, Simone's vision reality. So to make sure that across all touch points in the company, uh, Simon Aesthetic, Simon Vision uh, will uh, will uh, will be rolled out and will reach the end customer. And this is a condition to uh, transform this vision uh, into a commercial success. So this is my number one priority. 
Wow. I can imagine seeing you flying around uh, Nicolas Seoul today, Tokyo tomorrow, and uh, somewhere else in Asia or even in Europe the, the following days. Uh, thanks a lot, Nicolas. That was Nicolas Giroto, CEO of Bali. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.